0: And a very happy Hanukkah. Welcome to the Rick Edelman Show. You know, it's been 30 years that I've been hosting this radio show. And after today's broadcast, we only have two original broadcasts left. Then, Christmas weekend, a very special final broadcast. It's a retrospective look back at the last 30 years of recordings of this radio show. The most favorite, popular clips, the most astonishing segments. We're going to bring it all to you on Christmas weekend. And then The Rick Edelman Show is over. I've been hosting this award-winning show for 30 years. It's the longest-running personal finance show in the nation. So I think maybe, as we say goodbye to this program, we need some music that's a little more appropriate. But, you know, just because uh, I'm stepping aside from this show doesn't mean I necessarily want to step aside from this show. Why are we doing this? Well, because we still feel you need the help. And you're enjoying the content that we're providing on the program. There is still so much to be learned. There is so much information to share. And besides, Gene and I, well, we're only in our early 60s. We're just getting started. Life isn't over the way it used to be when people 50 years ago turned 60. We're just beginning the next chapter of our lives. And we want to share with you the knowledge and education and information we have available to you in the subject matters that really count. And that's why Gene and I are doing this, because we want to continue serving you the way that we have for the past 36 years. And let me tell you more about this. The U.S. Census Bureau says that the average age Americans retire is 64. But the Journal of Nature Communication says if you're alive in the year 2030, you can expect to live to age 120. Look, you've worked hard to get a good education, and that led to a good job. That let you set money aside for the future. By 65, you're able to maintain your standard of living without earning a paycheck. But what's next? If you've got 60 years to go, you're healthy, financially independent. You want to spend your time in a fulfilling and enriching manner that lets you share your wisdom and experience. But you lack a plan. You need to understand the future, your future so you can maintain your health, your wealth, and your lifestyle for the rest of your life as long as that's likely to be. And that's why I'm launching this new radio show, The Truth About Your Future, with Rick Edelman. We're going to be educating consumers and investors via all forms of mass communication, providing the investment opportunities in a variety of subjects, exponential technologies, blockchain, bitcoin, and digital assets, longevity, retirement security, and health and wellness. About exponential technologies, we're talking about AI, robotics, 3D printing, nanotech, biotech, bioinformatics, energy, big data, medicine and neuroscience, network systems, edtech, fintech, agtech, and a lot more. All these massive innovations with huge implications for college and career, home ownership, even family, and which are offering a wealth of new investment opportunities. In the area of blockchain, Bitcoin, and digital assets, these innovations offer the greatest impact on global commerce since the invention of the internet itself. Unprecedented investment opportunities await investors in digital assets, staking and lending, NFTs, DAOs, the metaverse, the picks and shovels supporting and surrounding this new ecosystem. In the world of longevity, we've got the fastest growing age group in the U.S. Those are the over-85s. By 2030... 20% of the nation will be over the age of 65. The health of older Americans is also improving, and we've got 70% of the country's wealth. As these Americans leave their jobs, well, ready to spend and invest, and this radio show, I'm going to be showing you how to do that. How about retirement security? As I said, if you're alive in 2030, you can expect to live age 100 or longer. Will your money last as long as you do? There's never been a greater need to save for the future or to generate ways to produce lifetime income, and I'm going to be showing you how to both save and generate the income you need. And how about self-care, health and wellness? The future is really about living a full and happy life. This is going to be Jean's area on the program. My wife has been focusing on this subject for decades. More consumers than ever want help with nutrition, exercise, and brain health, as well as spiritual, family, and personal wellness. Our focus on these important topics will provide crucial context for all the content that we're providing. And radio is just the start. I'm also going to be doing a series of podcasts and videocasts of the show with guest experts talking about all of this and helping you understand the future that we're going to find ourselves in. In addition to podcasts and video casts of the show, I'll be producing a brand new monthly 12-page subscription newsletter. You'll hear more about that in January. And my next book, number 11, will be released in May, published by Simon & Schuster. It's called The Truth About Crypto. You can pre-order it now, by the way, at your favorite bookseller. We'll also be providing master classes on a variety of subjects, entrepreneurship, leadership, hiring, managing, and rewarding employees, building a company that wins great places to work awards, turning customers into advocates, how to become a best-selling author, how to become an award-winning radio and TV talk show host and speaker on stage and online, how to build a brand, self-care, healthy eating, being the entrepreneur of you, defining your why, creating balance in your life. We'll also be doing keynotes all around the country and a whole lot more. And I'll be sharing that with you as we continue here on The Rick Edelman Show, showing you what Gene and I are going to be up to and why we're going to be engaging in all of this activity for you. So stay tuned for more here on The Rick Edelman Show. Exciting times, and we're glad you're going to be with us on the journey. Stay with us for more. 888-PLAN-RICK, rickedelman.com. Welcome back to The Rick Edelman Show. I've just given you the announcement that Gene and I are going to be leaving The Rick Edelman Show. This show comes to an end after its 30-year run, Christmas week. And as The Rick Edelman Show fades away into the sunset, Gene and I are not fading away. We are re-emerging with a brand-new radio show that will debut New Year's weekend. The new radio show is The Truth About Your Future with Rick Edelman. And the reason we're doing this is because we want to continue providing you the education and content information that you need to help you achieve financial success there's so much to learn so much to understand so much to explore and we want to continue the journey with you and we're really very excited about it there's a variety of subjects we're going to be focusing on exponential technologies blockchain bitcoin and digital assets longevity retirement security and health and wellness and in fact, our radio show that we're launching January 1st is just the beginning. Not just the radio show, but also podcasts, videocasts, a monthly subscription newsletter, my new book, The Truth About Crypto, that's being published in May, master classes, keynote speeches and presentations at conferences nationwide, consulting, executive management, branding and marketing, sales training, survey, design, development, deployment, and analysis. We've built up a considerable amount of experience and expertise in all of these fields for the past 36 years, and we want to continue sharing that with others so that they can benefit from the experience and knowledge we've developed. Unlike this current radio show, my new program will be sponsor-driven. Sponsors are very interested in my show because, well, you are exactly who they're trying to reach. In fact, 70% of America's wealth is owned by those who are over the age of 57. That's you, or your parents, and you're searching for the products and services you need. You know your investment strategy is outdated, but you don't know what the new investment opportunities are. You know your money has to last for decades, but you don't know how to create lifetime income. You know you've got to take care of your brain and your body, but you don't know how to achieve and maintain health and wellness. The only sponsors you're going to hear on my show are the companies that I personally use or own or invest in. They have my personal endorsement, and I'll introduce them to you every week so that you get the benefits just like Gene and I have been enjoying. It's The Truth About Your Future with Rick Edelman, and it debuts New Year's weekend, January 1st and 2nd. We're debuting on 25 radio affiliates around the country. Same station, same day, same time. And for a complete listing of the stations and airtimes, you can go to thetaif.com. That's the-t-a-y-f dot com. And in fact, it's not just our new media company that Gene and I are building. We're also very busy building the Digital Assets Council of Financial Professionals. You know, 82% of clients in recent surveys say that they expect their financial advisors to be knowledgeable about Bitcoin. You need to be able, if you're a financial advisor, to answer your client's questions. And 62% of investors, almost two-thirds, say that they would switch advisors if their current advisor can't give them advice about Bitcoin. And when I say give advice, I'm not necessarily saying give advice to buy it. I'm talking about giving advice about whether you should buy it or not. Because it all depends on your circumstances, goals and objectives, need for liquidity, and other factors about your personal finances. The problem is that today, most financial advisors don't know any more about Bitcoin and blockchain and digital assets than their clients do. And that's why at DACFP, we're teaching financial professionals and their firms about blockchain and digital assets so they can give you the advice you need about this new and transformational asset class. In fact, at DACFP, we're the official education partner for blockchain and digital assets for the CFP board, the Financial Planning Association, the National Association of Personal Financial Advisors, the Money Management Institute, the Investment Advisors Association, and the XY Planning Network. And our media partners include Barron's, Investment News, and Think Advisor. So Gene and I are spending a considerable amount of energy – at the Digital Assets Council of Financial Professionals so that your financial advisor will be able to continue to serve your best interests the way that you fully expect and deserve. We also have a lot else going on at DACFP. We're doing a lot of events and keynote presentations. We produce some of the most popular events in the industry for blockchain and digital assets, all of it geared to financial professionals. And we also have our exclusive certification program the DACFP Certificate in Blockchain and Digital Assets. It's an 11-module online self-paced course featuring a world-class faculty and 13 continuing education credits for financial advisors. We've also launched the DACFP Yellow Pages, the one comprehensive listing of digital assets, products, and services from investments to compliance, tax, and legal services. We're also doing consulting, massive amounts of education, articles, podcasts, videos, my new book, webinars, one-hour fireside chats with leading experts, roundtables that are intimate events limited to just 10 financial professionals, regional one-on-ones, day-long events where advisors meet fund managers, our DACFP Vision Conference, the premier annual event. Our next one will be in Austin in June about blockchain and digital assets all again for financial professionals. We also have the DACFP mining event and custom events and keynoting. Well, in addition to all of that, Gene and I are still engaged in many of the philanthropic activities that we've been focusing on so heavily for years. Our work in the field of Alzheimer's, trying to defeat the nation's and frankly the world's number one health care crisis. You've heard us talk about Alzheimer's often. You very likely know someone who has died or is suffering from this dreaded disease, you may very well be providing care for a loved one. Alzheimer's disease is dreadful. It is the most expensive disease to treat, partly because it's an average of 12 years from onset of symptoms until death. There's no diagnostic tool. There's no treatment, no cure, no vaccine. It's 100% fatal. One out of 10 Americans at age 60 Develop Alzheimer's disease. By the time you're 80, it's one in three. By age 90, it's one in two. This is why we've got to eradicate this. We're also focusing heavily on retirement security. We know there's a massive retirement security crisis in this country, and that's why three years ago, I created, along with the Bipartisan Policy Center, the Funding Our Future Coalition, working with Congress to develop policies that can make it easier for all Americans everywhere to save for retirement. My proposal called RISE, the Retirement Income Security for Everyone proposal, you can learn more about that at WeCanRise.com, is designed to make it easier for Americans to enjoy financial comfort in retirement and in fact my proposal would eliminate poverty in retirement for all Americans. Gene and I are also very heavily involved at our alma mater, Rowan University, where we provided funding for the Edelman Planetarium. Now, most recently, the Edelman Fossil Park. This is a unique site, nothing like it anywhere in the world, where schoolchildren can go into an actual dig site, digging around for fossils. Anything you find, you get to bring home. The problem with the fossil park is that it's a scientific facility, and as a result, they only allow schoolchildren in once per year. So we're building a world-class museum. We've already broken ground. It'll open Memorial Day weekend 2023, and once the museum is open, you'll be able to go visit the fossil park and dig for fossils every single day of the year. We're really excited about that. So are Gene and I headed off into the sunset? Not at all. We are just Getting started. With the end of the Rick Edelman show and the start of my brand new radio show, The Truth About Your Future with Rick Edelman, what about Edelman Financial Engines? Edelman Financial Engines is introducing a new radio show with new hosts. It's called Everyday Wealth and features Soledad O'Brien and Gene Chatsky, and that program also starts on January 1st. Soledad O'Brien is a Peabody Award-winning journalist. Gene Chatsky is a best-selling financial writer. They'll explore the crossroads of financial decisions and how they affect your life. They'll be joined each week by financial planners from Edelman Financial Engines and other industry experts to share the insights and strategies you need from managing your wealth and generational planning to retirement income, tax-efficient investing, and more. I'm premiering my show on 25 stations to start, Why 25? Well, this show airs in 90 markets around the country. It's a two-hour show, but in some markets, we air on only the first hour. So starting January 1, in our two-hour markets, my new show will be the first hour. The Edelman Financial Engines show will be the second hour. And if you're in a market where you hear only one hour right now, you'll hear the Edelman Financial Engines show with Gene and Soledad. To hear my show, The Truth About Your Future with Rick Edelman, you can download the podcast Available everywhere. And you can learn more about the new Edelman Financial Engines radio show at com slash everyday-wealth. dash I'm Rick Edelman. Stay with us for more here on The Rick Edelman Show. Triple- Welcome back to The Rick Edelman Show as we wind down this program in preparation for our brand new radio show debuting January 1st, The Truth About Your Future with Rick Edelman. But I have to acknowledge something pretty cool. RIA Database has just announced its ranking of the top 100 wealth managers in the United States. The researchers ranked firms based on their total assets under management as reported on their SEC filings as of September 30th. And ranked number one is Edelman Financial Engines. It's nice to go out on top. You know, one of the things that I've always really enjoyed about this program the most is the interaction with you, the ability to take your questions and give you the information that you need to help you improve your knowledge, comprehension, and to help you figure out the direction that you might want to take with the issues that you're facing. And I get lots of emails every week from listeners around the country, and and I'd say the overwhelming majority, virtually all of them, are insightful, thoughtful. You have a really good grasp of your personal situation. You understand what's going on, and you simply want to know what's the best course of action to take from there. Every so often, though, I get an email that is um, a little bit wacky. Like, I got an email not long ago from Stephanie. She said that she won a $79 billion award from Bill Clinton, and she wants my help in investing the money. <laughs> so there are some folks that are, frankly, beyond my ability to help. Um, but then there's an occasional, very rare email from someone who has an issue with something that I've said on the show. And just this last week, I received an email from listener... Dan Grosskruger, and here's what Dan wrote. Rick, I have stopped listening to your radio show, but today, just as I was reaching for the dial to tune away from your show, I heard you say something ignorant and stupid. Despite my previous attempts to appeal to your sense of responsibility, it still appears that you're prone to veer out of your lane on your radio show. I wish you would stay with financial subjects that you know something about because it tends to cast doubt on the reliability of your financial advice when you say ignorant, stupid things pertaining to subject matter about which you know nothing. Today, you were talking about umbrella insurance, and you urged your listeners to look into purchasing such coverage since it's relatively inexpensive and provides protection against unexpected lawsuits. That's good advice as far as it goes but you brought up dog bites as one of those unexpected events that might get you sued. You then volunteered the following, quote, The average settlement for a dog bite is $30,000, unquote. Nonsense. Where did you read or hear such garbage? I believe you will recall that I am an attorney now for 40-plus years, and I can assure you that your information is bogus. Before you make more ignorant and stupid statements on your radio show, please do some research and verify your facts. You are contributing to fake news by throwing out such false information about subject matter not in your lane, merely because it fits your narrative. Please don't contribute your own version of misinformation to the flow of false and misleading news that is deliberately camouflaged as information. Again, my advice is to seriously consider adopting humility as your personal goal, since humble individuals are far less likely to make faulty assumptions about what they think they know. Signed, Dan Grosskruger, Risk Management Inc. of Solana Beach, California. Wow. Gee, Dan, ignorant and stupid that my statement that the average settlement for a dog bite is $30,000 is nonsense? Garbage? My information is bogus? I need to do some research and verify my facts? Well, Dan, guess what? The Insurance Information Institute has a study on this. They've been tracking the number and cost of dog bite claims since 2003. According to the American Pet Products Association and the American Veterinary Medical Association, there are 63 million U.S. households that have a dog at a total of 77 million dogs, because lots of people have more than just one. The Insurance Information Institute says millions of people are bitten by dogs every year, most of them children. In 2017, 350,000 people were treated at hospitals for non-fatal dog injuries, 10,600 of them were children under the age of two. And according to the Insurance Information Institute and State Farm, nationwide in 2020 there were 17,000 dog bite claims and other dog related injuries. Insurance companies paid out claims of $854 million. The average cost per claim is not any longer. $30,000 that I cited, it's now 50425 the Insurance Information Institute says this number has gone up because of settlements, judgments, and jury awards that are trending upwards. The trend in higher cost per claim is attributable not only to dog bites, according to the Insurance Information Institute, but also to dogs knocking down children, as well as bicyclists and the elderly. And these injuries add to the financial claims. So, Attorney Dan Grosskruger of Risk Management in Solana Beach, California, looks like what I said wasn't so ignorant and stupid after all. Looks like my statement wasn't nonsense or garbage. My information wasn't bogus. Looks like I did do some research and did verify my facts. And guess what? Looks like you didn't. Instead, you just decided to pop off at the mouth and send me a pompous email accusing me of unprofessional conduct. Who's being unprofessional here, Attorney Dan Kroeskruger of Risk Management in Solana Beach, California?
1: Should we or should we not follow the advice of the galactically stupid?
0: Well, Dan's not hearing this because, after all, he hates my show. He doesn't tune in. So let's you and me return to the main issue. Two-thirds of U.S. households have a dog. That means probably you. So listen up. In 29 states... According to the American Property Casualty Insurers Association, if you're a dog owner, you are liable for injuries your pets cause. There are exceptions, like if the dog's provoked. Most attacks are misdemeanors, but in extreme cases can be felonies. If you own a certain breed, some states require that you have at least $100,000 of liability insurance. Golly gee, Dan Grosskruger of Risk Management in Solana Beach, California. Would that be necessary if dog bites weren't a legal risk? There are three kinds of laws you need to be aware of. There's a dog bite statute. You're automatically liable for any injury or property damage your dog causes. There's the one bite rule. You're responsible for any injury your dog causes if you knew the dog was likely to cause the injury. The victim has to prove you knew the dog was dangerous. And negligence laws. You're liable if you're careless in controlling your dog. Be aware, you could be charged with serious crimes if your dog attacks and severely injures someone. Three times, dog owners have been convicted of murder after their dogs killed someone. Maybe you didn't know any of this. Okay, you're not a lawyer. But Dan Grosskruger of Risk Management, Inc. in Solana Beach, California is a lawyer. And he apparently didn't know any of this either. That didn't stop him from sending me a full-paid, single-spaced email blasting me for not doing research. Hey Dan, I sure hope that's not the quality of the work you do for your clients at Risk Management Inc. in Solana Beach, California. Well, Dan didn't learn anything new today because he hates the show, so he's not listening. But here's the lesson for the rest of us. First, if you own a dog, make sure, like I told you two weeks ago, that you have umbrella liability insurance. Second, maintain control of your dog. Let's prevent the injuries in the first place, okay? And third, If you hear something that surprises you, that seems contrary to your worldview, stop and think about it for a minute. If it puzzles you, or if you think the info is incorrect, check it out, do a little research. Just Google dog bite. Dozens of search results will pop up showing you the facts. Do a Google search before you spend a half hour typing a highly inflammatory email that's completely wrong and makes you look foolish. And if you insist on typing such an email, don't hit the send button right away. Give it a day. Give yourself time to calm down and think things through. Be measured, deliberate, and professional. You know, act the way lawyers are supposed to act, especially when they have 40-plus years of experience, like Dan Grosskruger of Risk Management, Inc. in Solana Beach, California. I've worked hard for the past 30 years on this radio show to bring you accurate financial education, information, and advice I love talking with you and helping you, but I really don't appreciate unjustified rants. And I don't think I deserve such treatment, Dan Grosskruger of Risk Management, Inc. in Solana Beach, California. I'm about to embark on a brand new radio show on January 1st so I can be with you for years to come, continuing to give you the education and information you need so you can financially protect yourself and your family and achieve financial security. I hope you'll stay with me on our journey every weekend. And Dan Kroeskruger of Risk Management Inc. of Solana Beach, California, you're not invited. Stay with us for more here on The Rick Edelman Show, 888-PLAN-RICK, online at ricedelman.com. Welcome back to The Rick Edelman Show. You know, every week on the program around this time, we bring on everybody's favorite segment, a visit by my wife, Jean. Hi, Jean. Hello, everyone. Great to be here. So this is going to be a little bit of a different segment with Jean this time because Jean always does it solo. But this time, it's going to be a bit of a conversation, taking into consideration the news that I gave you earlier in the program that's starting January 1, we're launching a brand new radio show, The Truth About Your Future, with Rick Edelman. And Jean will be appearing on that show every week, just like she does now.
2: Yeah, it's going to be exciting. I um, get to talk about life a whole lot more. That's been my topic for this past year and a half, and I think it's been a lot of fun.
0: Well, talk to us a little bit more about the details of what you're going to be covering in the new show going forward. When, when you say life, what do you mean by that?
2: I just want to dig a lot deeper into this journey of life, how to be the best possible version of ourselves every day, how to find balance with our food, our health, our, our environment. How are we a pebble into the pond of happiness, gratitude, and kindness? In life, we're constantly facing fears. We're finding our strengths we're managing our emotions, we're finding our voice, we're speaking up, we're learning our boundaries, and we're hopefully tuning in and and learning to trust our intuition. And my biggest piece this past year and a half is to talk about self-care. Are we connecting the dots with what we eat, our environment? Are we connected to our overall health? So we're just going to dive deeper into all of that.
0: You know, it's interesting, Gene, that you say this, and you know I always joke, and people think I'm joking, but I'm not. Well, I'm not so sure if they're treating it as a joke, because I'm really quite serious when I say that in my entire two-hour show, we get more emails of compliments for your short segment than the entire rest of the show. In our company's newsletter, 16 pages we've had for years. You've got a one-page article. We get more fan mail over your one-page than the entire rest of the issue that I produce. Uh, You know, I'm kind of self-conscious about this. Uh, Not that it's a competition, mind you. Of course not. (laughs) (laughs) So so it's, I think we have to think back to the title of the book you wrote, The Other Side of Money, that you're so well-known for. The tagline you created decades ago, that personal finance is more personal than finance. And this is the connection point, that we're really not talking about money, we're talking about The other aspects of life inevitably involve money, but which are really so much more important. Like, for example, Jean, you mentioned earlier that you want to focus more and more on the issue of facing our fears. Talk about what you mean by that. What fears are holding us back?
2: Well, we each have our own, but if they're paralyzing, I mean, they could make us stuck at home and not allow us to move forward in our life. And so, what are they and how can we help ourselves in overcoming what is keeping us back from being our best selves?
0: And how do we, you know, it's interesting that in the world of personal finance, I find that paralysis is preventing people from making effective investment decisions. Sure. They're afraid to invest or they're afraid to change an investment. They're afraid to sell an investment. They're, they're, they're afraid to do things that they've never done before. And that paralysis can harm them financially, and that can create stress, and that stress spills over to their health. Domino effect, absolutely. And it's so really hard to separate health from our wealth. And yet we find in the financial services industry, there really aren't many financial planners or financial advisors who deal with the health side. And I think back to the most popular sessions at the annual retreats that the company has had with financial planners, those sessions were led by you and the experts you brought in that have nothing to do with money, do they?
2: Uh, yeah. I mean, we talk about food, we, we do yoga, we talk about mindfulness. Um, yeah, because I, again, I go back to being the best version of ourselves. And when we are in balance and we are healthy, we can then serve and be available to help others in our life.
0: And I guess that's really what it all comes down to is that we're not isolated. We're, we're not, Uh, on an island all by ourselves. We're in this together. What's going on in our lives is impacting our spouse, our children, our communities.
2: You know, it's all connected. You have to connect the dots.
0: And a lot of it has to do with managing our emotions through all of this. And this past year and a half, now almost two years, has been an incredibly emotional ride. Massive numbers of deaths, the uncertainty of the pandemic, the continuing uh, risks and fears resulting from it. Uh, just look what's occurred recently with the development of the Omicron variant of the virus. And this is scaring people. It's interfering with our lives and our jobs and our travel and our families. And this is having an impact on the decisions we're making on everyday aspects of our lives, isn't it? Sure, absolutely. Emotions are high, but we need to manage
2: our emotion. I always look at it as trying to find balance. And, and balance with our emotions is figuring out a way to let them flow through us instead of getting stuck inside of us. Because when our emotions are stuck, if we've had trauma, if we've had severe fear, that gets locked down in our body. And so how can we help ourselves release those very locked down emotions? That's where the movement, the yoga, the breath, the being outside, the journaling, we've got to get in touch with those emotions. And then whenever they're triggered, they could be triggered by, you know, a song, music, words, uh, food, they could be triggered by anything. And so if we have figured out a way to let them flow through us, when these triggers hit, we can take a breath and continue walking on and not let it, let it affect us. And so I have a feeling emotions are going to get high again with this new variant, and we just need to stay in touch with ourselves. It may sound selfish that we're just so focused on ourselves, but that's the only way that we can be the best version of ourselves.
0: And that selfishness allows us to be better for the people who are around us.
2: Right, absolutely.
0: So as one element of understanding you better is understanding when it's okay to say no
2: right absolutely and and understanding that we don't have to make others happy all the time and understanding and learning our boundaries that's a big piece of a good happy healthy life
0: and so it's so fascinating we all do try so hard we all talk about our martyr moms <laughs> you know who will self sacrifice and do whatever it takes to help the family to the point of, of harming themselves. They give up on their own self-care. They, they right. give up on their nutrition. They, they, they give us money they can't afford to give us because they love us so much, they care for us so much, and they want us to have the very best. But it's not healthy for them to do that. So elaborate, Jean. If, if we're learning our boundaries, learning to say no, what you're really talking about is self-care. So elaborate on that for us.
2: Right. So I don't have to exhaust myself to take care of others. I should be replenishing myself. I should be making sure I'm eating good food. I'm getting my walks outside. I'm doing my yoga. I have got to replenish myself in order to be a good spouse, a good mom, a good coworker. And that should be the understanding of self-care is replenishment and refreshing ourselves and rebooting ourselves because self-care is very important.
0: So we're really excited that as we launch the new radio show January 1st, Gene will have a place in the program sharing with you what really matters because it isn't money. It's the other side of money. And no one is better than Gene to share all that with you.
2: So before we go this week, everyone, I wanted to share a quote from Maya Angelou. The quote is, I've learned that people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did. But people will never forget how you made them feel. And you, as our audience, have always made us feel wonderful and welcome. And we hope that we've given that back to you. And then we just want to help you be the best version of you every day. And so we're so excited in this next piece of our journey because we're going to get to do more of that. So
0: have a beautiful week. That's Gene Edelman here on The Rick Edelman Show. We have two original broadcasts left for you, and then it's two new radio shows for your pleasure and benefit. My brand new show, The Truth About Your Future with Rick Edelman, and Everyday Wealth featuring Soledad O'Brien and Gene Chatsky, debuting January 1 and January 2 of 2022 to continue to give you the education, information, and advice you need We're excited about it. Hope you are as well. Stay with us for more here on The Rick Edelman Show. 888-PLAN-RICK, rickedelman.com. Welcome back to The Rick Edelman Show. Very exciting week for the program because we've announced two big developments as we are winding down The Rick Edelman Show. Just two more original broadcasts left here in the month of December. Starting January 1, two new radio shows launch, Mine and Gene's The Truth About Your Future with Rick Edelman. And a brand new show from Edelman Financial Engines, Everyday Wealth, featuring Soledad O'Brien and Gene Chatsky. both of these programs debuting on the first of the year, all very exciting to continue to provide you the financial education information and from Edelman Financial Engines, the advice that you need for your personal finances. So be sure to stay tuned on New Year's weekend for the launch and premier debut of both of these new shows. In the meantime, we do have year-end coming up, and that means we need to pay attention to our taxes, right? So there are several elements you need to be aware of. Number one, did you get married this year? There was an increase in marriages this year because there was a decrease last year due to COVID. Well, if you changed your name for whatever reason, marriage or otherwise, you need to make sure you report the name change to the Social Security Administration. It's easy. Just go to ssa.gov. Your name on your tax return must match the records at social security if your name doesn't match when you file your tax return to what they show at the social security administration well you could end up with a delayed refund and all kinds of hassles with the irs so if you've changed your name tell the ssa also by the way did you file an amended return Well, as of November 13th, the IRS says they have nearly 3 million unprocessed amended tax returns from 2020. It's going to take six months or more for them to resolve all those. So if you're owed a refund, you're going to need to be patient. Oh, my goodness. And it is toward the end of the year, and this is the giving season. Lots of folks make year-end charitable donations at the end of the year. And you need to be aware of the issues of gift giving, not only to charities, but to individuals as well. Let's talk first about giving to individuals. If you're going to give money to family members, it's pretty common for grandparents and and also parents uh, often to give money to children and grandchildren. If you're going to give someone money, here are the tax rules. The recipient of the gift never incurs a tax. So they don't have a problem. You, as the giver, might incur a tax. Here's the deal. You're allowed to give $15,000 to any one person in any one year. If you're going to give less than $15,000, no fuss, no muss, do whatever you like. And by the way, if you give your child a car, the value of that car counts toward that $15,000 limit. So it's not merely giving cash it's giving anything of value if it adds up to 15 grand even if you gave a variety of gifts here and there if it all adds up to more than $15,000 then it counts toward that IRS limit if it's less than 15 grand in total to any one individual not a problem don't worry about it but if you're planning to give more than that let's say that you want to give $100,000 to your child, say they're gonna buy a house and you wanna help them or they're gonna start a business, you wanna help them out or they have debts, you wanna give them money to pay them off like student loan debts or what have you. Well, if you were to give a child $100,000, you would incur a gift tax on the amount above 15 grand. Now, there are two ways you can solve the problem. First, you can simply give them $15,000 in 2021 before the year ends And then give them another $15,000 in 2022. In other words, you give them some of the money in December and some of the money in January. That way you can give that person $30,000 without worrying about the gift tax limit. And oh, by the way, is your child married? You can give their spouse $15,000 as well. So you can give your child thirty grand over the two years and their spouse thirty grand over the two years. Now that's sixty grand. And if you're married, your spouse can do the same thing. So the two of you can give money to the two of them across the two tax years. That's $120,000 that you can get into their hands without any issue. So that's one way. Split the gifts across years and split the gifts across people and even a combination of both. Second, if you can't do that, there's no spouse involved. The child isn't married or what have you. There's no grandchildren that you want to also do this with. All you do is take the excess above 15000 and apply it to your lifetime limit, which is in the millions of dollars. For most Americans, you'll never come close to giving away your lifetime limit as allowed by the IRS. All you need to do is file a piece of paper along with your tax return. Simply tell your tax preparer about the gifts you're planning to make and the amount of those gifts, and your tax preparer will take care of the paperwork for you. No fuss, no muss. But here's one last piece of fine print about giving money to family members or other individuals. If you're going to give your daughter money, very often it's by check. And it's very often on Christmas Day. And very often your daughter has traveled a thousand miles to visit you on Christmas Day, which this year is on a Saturday. When you give your daughter that check for 50 grand or 10 grand or whatever the amount is, for that gift to count as a 2021 gift, your daughter must cash the check before 2022. In other words, she's only got the rest of the week to be able to do this. With online banking, it's pretty easy and convenient these days, but the bottom line is, if she doesn't cash the check, it doesn't count as a 2021 gift. So it's not the date you write the check, it's the date she cashes it. Now let's shift over to charity, because it's a different situation for charities. When you give money to charities, it's the date you mail it that matters. It's not the date they receive it or the date they cash it. So it's a different rule for charities in order for you to get the tax deduction for 2021. So make sure you mail your check before the end of the year if you want it to count as a 2021 tax deduction on your tax return. Oh, and one other thing. What is it you're giving those charities? Are you writing checks? Are you giving cash? That's perfectly fine if you're giving... A relatively small amount of money, but if you're giving serious amounts, 10 grand, 100 grand, a million, if you're giving significant amounts of money, don't give cash. What you might want to consider doing instead is giving appreciated assets. For example, you own a stock, a mutual fund, an exchange-traded fund, real estate, Bitcoin, You own some asset that has grown in value since you bought it. If you were to sell that asset, you'll pay taxes and give the remaining value to the charity. So instead, don't sell the asset. Give the asset to the charity. Charities all across the country are happy to take assets. When you give the asset, you get the full tax deduction based on the value of the asset. You don't pay any taxes. When the charity gets the asset... They'll sell it. And because they're a charity, they're a nonprofit, they're tax-exempt, they'll sell it without having to pay any taxes. You don't pay a tax, they don't pay a tax, but you get the tax deduction for the full value, and they receive the full value. Everybody wins. This is Congress's way of motivating us to do exactly this, to be generous. This puts more money into the hands of charities and still preserves the full tax deductibility for you. So all you need to do before you make the donation is to contact the charity. Tell them of your intent. They have staff who will help facilitate the transaction to receive your shares of stocks or ETFs or mutual funds, to arrange for the deed of the property, the transfer of the Bitcoin from your digital wallet to their digital wallet. They'll take care of it for you. Of course, they have a strong motivation to help you, don't they? But keep one important thing in mind. All of these transactions that involve the movement of assets take time. There's paperwork. It can take a couple of weeks. Here we are at the beginning of December already. We've only got a month left before the end of the year, and we know how busy we all are with month-end, year-end, and holiday seasons, so don't delay. If you're planning to donate significant amounts of money, contact your financial advisor. See if there's an opportunity for you to donate appreciated assets that you've owned for more than a year. And if so, talk to your tax advisor and the charity to see how best you can facilitate this and get the process underway. And oh, by the way, if you don't know who the charity is you want to give to, but you want to give the money anyway for the sake of the tax deduction, Consider a donor-advised fund, and your financial advisor can tell you more about those. I'm Rick Edelman, tis the season, and that's what we're here to help you with. I'll have more on charitable giving and the givers of Bitcoin when we return here on The Rick Edelman Show. 888-PLAN-RICK, rickedelman.com. We were just talking about the fact that when you're making charitable donations, you don't have to give cash. You can actually give away appreciated assets. A new study from Fidelity Charitable just revealed that the average American who makes charitable donations gives under $1,000. 33% give $1,000 or more. But people who make donations of crypto assets, Bitcoin, Ether, and other digital coins... 45% of them donate $1,000 or more, which means, what is it, that people who invest in Bitcoin are more generous, or is it that they've earned so much more money than they ever imagined in such a short time that they're feeling very generous? I think it's probably more of the latter, but it does demonstrate that people are acting creatively when thinking about their charitable giving. And in fact, Bitcoin has gotten a lot of attention, digital assets overall. The notion of NFTs has really been building up, non-fungible tokens. You've heard about these, no doubt, even if you don't know what they are. They're basically digital versions of real assets. Think about you taking a photograph of your food. Well, the food is real. You get to eat it. But when you take a photograph of it and you send that photograph over the Internet to a friend, Well, the photograph isn't real. It's a digital representation of the food. That's what a non-fungible token is. The token is a digital asset of something real, and non-fungible simply means it's a unique asset. When you take that photo of your food, that's a unique photo. There's no other photo like it, never before, never again. Even if you take a second photo, it's not going to be exactly identical to the first photo because... Time has changed, the position of the camera has changed, the lighting has changed, the position of the people in the photo have changed. Every photo is unique. They're all non-fungible. And when you take a photo, it's the equivalent of a token. So that's what a non-fungible token is. Let me give you an illustration. The Economist magazine published a cover story. They have a weekly magazine. Every week, a new cover story. A few months ago, they published a cover story about Bitcoin. A couple of weeks ago, they created a non-fungible token of that cover. So they took the cover, which was real. That's a physical magazine you can hold in your hand. And they made a digital image of the cover about Bitcoin. They turned that digital image into an NFT, a non-fungible token. And then they decided to sell it on the internet. And they sold it for $420,000. Well, you say we try that one again, huh? <laughs> this is a reflection of the explosion of investor and consumer interest in non-fungible tokens. It's the new big thing in the digital asset world. In fact, Collins Dictionary every year announces what they call the word of the year. The one word that has become more popular, gained more attention than any other word in the English language. And for 2021, Collins Dictionary says the word of the year is NFT. It's really quite amazing. Now, I know still you may be saying this is all interesting. It's all curious, but I have no interest in engaging. I'm not about to go buy NFTs. I'm not even going to go buy Bitcoin. I'm not interested. I don't understand it. It's not for me. Guess what? you might own Bitcoin without even knowing it. It's now showing up in ordinary mutual funds and ETFs, stock funds, bond funds, and commodity funds. For example, the ProShares Bitcoin Strategy Fund exclusively buys Bitcoin futures. The Grayscale Bitcoin Trust exclusively buys Bitcoin. But okay, you're not going to buy those because they're Bitcoin-focused. Well, what if you own the BlackRock Strategic Income Opportunities Fund? That owns the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust, which owns Bitcoin. Or how about the Kinetics Internet Fund, or the Kinetics Global Fund, or the Kinetics Market Opportunities Fund, or the RG Arum Fund, or the ARK Next Generation Internet Fund, or the FOMO Fund, or the Emerald Finance and Banking Innovation Fund, or the Appleseed Fund, or finally the Wisdom Tree Enhanced Commodity Strategy ETF. All of these funds invest in Bitcoin or derivatives of Bitcoin. You might own Bitcoin without even knowing it. And a lot of investors who are buying digital assets are doing it without telling their financial advisors. In Great Britain, they just did a survey and found that 42% of investors are buying digital assets away from their financial advisors. Are you sure that it's smart to do that? I mean, think about it. I mean, you know that I'm a fan of Bitcoin, that I'm personally invested in Bitcoin. Gene and I have decided it makes sense for our circumstances. I'm a big fan of the technology. That doesn't mean it's right for everybody in all circumstances. And this is why you have a financial advisor to help guide you through the world of personal finance, determining what your asset allocation ought to be, what your portfolio composition ought to be, and how best to obtain these. Why would you make investment decisions if you have a financial advisor without the involvement of that advisor? In fact, consider this story this week out of the SEC. They just charged Ryan Ginster of Corona, California with securities fraud. He raised almost $4 million in Bitcoin from investors. Over the past three years, he was operating two online platforms, MyMicroProfits.com and Social Profimatic. He was promising astronomical rates of return by falsely claiming that he was going to earn money via cryptocurrency trading and arbitrage. Well, the SEC says it was all a scam. They say Ginster used the money for personal expenses, paying his own taxes, housing, and spending it on credit cards. So you've really got to wonder, are you sure? that you should be buying digital assets? And if you are, are you doing it in an effective, reputable manner with the kinds of companies that are legitimate for your investment dollars? Dealing with a financial advisor who is knowledgeable both about your circumstances and the digital asset marketplace can go far to helping you protect yourself from making a mistake that you might regret. If you need help, you know where to turn. Edelman Financial Engines at 888-PLAN-RICK and online at rickedelman.com. By the way, here's an example of something pretty exciting in the digital asset space, but could set you up for being scammed. I don't know if you heard, but David Bowie's estate is selling his songwriting catalog. The estate is expected to get more than $200 million. You know, it's interesting. Bob Dylan, Stevie Nicks, Neil Young, Paul Simon, they've all sold their songwriting catalogs. It's widely expected that the companies that are buying the rights are going to place their music on the Internet, in the digital asset space, as NFTs, non-fungible tokens. But is it possible that scam artists will capitalize on these headlines and perhaps sell you a bogus NFT? without you being the wiser. This is the kind of ways that a financial advisor can help protect you against scams because the protection of your money is easily as important as the return on your money. Let us know how we can help you at Edelman Financial Engines, 888-PLAN-RICK. Reminder, starting January 1, two new radio shows launch, Mine and Gene's The Truth About Your Future with Rick Edelman and a brand new show from Edelman Financial Engines. Everyday Wealth, featuring Soledad O'Brien and Gene Chatsky, both of these programs debuting on the first of the year. And you can learn more about the new Edelman Financial Engines radio show at edelmanfinancialengines.com slash everyday-wealth. I'm Rick Edelman. Stay with us for more here on The Rick Edelman Show. 888-PLAN-RICK, rickedelman.com. If you're listening to The Truth About Money, let's head off to San Diego. Ted's with us on the air. How are you, Ted? I'm well, thank you. And how can I help you today?
3: Well, I have a conundrum—one of those problems we all want. Um, a product of the divorce—that's not the part we want—is <laughs> uh, leaving me with a little about two hundred and twenty thousand dollars cash. I'm sixty. I plan to work another seven to eight years, and I'm wondering what to do with this. I have a 401k. I max my contribution out. I will have a military retirement. So I'm stuck kind of wondering with my age profile, do I go and get, you know, five or 10-year annuity? Do I do laddered bonds? Is there some mix where I can be a tad bit more aggressive, my 401k. All right,
0: Ted, Ted, hang on, hang on. How much money do you have in the 401k? About a million. And do you have any other savings and investments?
3: Oh, about another, say, 700 in brokerage accounts.
0: Okay. And how much do you have in bank accounts?
3: Uh about eighty five.
0: Okay. And what are your monthly expenses?
3: Mortgage or mortgage in or excluded?
0: Included, everything, all in.
3: I'd say my monthly expense is about eight thousand.
0: Okay. And you said you're a military veteran, thank you very much for that. How much is your pension going to be?
3: Right now it's about sixty five a year.
0: Sixty-five thousand, not hundred. Yes. So you're in excellent financial condition. Um, if you need to withdraw eight grand a month, call it a hundred thousand a year. Sixty-five thousand of it is coming from your pension. You only need another thirty-five thousand from other sources, and you've got nearly two million dollars, uh, more than two million dollars, including the divorce settlement, uh, available to produce thirty-five thousand a year. This is a no-brainer. You can easily generate. Um, That, you can generate substantially more than that, two to three times more than what you need. Quite frankly, you can afford to retire right now. You don't have to retire seven years from now, just FYI. So you're in excellent financial condition. And therefore, the answer to your question is different than what I think you thought I was going to say, meaning I'm not going to give you advice on managing this divorce settlement of $220,000 because it's irrelevant. It's only 10%, roughly, Of your total investment portfolio. And we haven't even talked about the value of your house. Uh, You live in California, so I'm assuming it's more than a million bucks. Yes. So it doesn't matter what I tell you to do with this 220 grand, it's only 10% of your assets. We need to talk about the other 90% because that's going to have a bigger impact on your financial security going forward. So what I would simply say to do is to take the 220 grand you're getting add it to the 700 grand you already have in your taxable account, let's combine that with the million dollars in the 401k for planning purposes. I mean, I'm not telling you to actually combine them, but just for planning purposes, let's acknowledge you've got over $2 million in total. Let's build an investment portfolio that takes into consideration all of your investments and make sure that we're constructing a portfolio that in its totality has the proper risk-reward calculation that's giving you the ability to get the returns you need within the risk level that is reasonable and appropriate for your circumstances so that you can generate the income you need beginning as soon as you want, including right now when you hand in your resignation letter Monday, if you choose, or seven years from now, whatever it is you end up choosing to do and go with it in that fashion. Too often, what people do is make a mistake that we refer to as compartmentalizing. And that's what you're doing right here, Ted. It's a psychological bias that is very, very common. The world of personal finance is complex, complicated. It's intimidating. And when we're faced with a big, complex decision, we find it's easier to break it down into smaller bites. Uh, You've heard that phrase, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. And so people tend to do that with their personal finances. And so they compartmentalize. I got 220 grand for my divorce. How should I invest that money? That's a compartmentalized decision. That's a silo. And you might make a good decision for the 220 grand, but that decision may also be in conflict or redundant to the other $2 million you've already got, which means a good narrow decision might be a bad broad decision. So we're much better off not compartmentalizing. Let's not make a series of small, short decisions. Let's make one big, comprehensive, holistic decision. You'll end up with a better overall result. So I would recommend that you talk with whoever's managing the million dollars in your 401k or whoever's managing the 700 grand in your taxable account. And let's talk about this collectively. If you don't have someone who's doing that, well, you should talk with a financial advisor and get that comprehensive advice. Taking into consideration the money you have saved in retirement accounts, regular accounts, The value of the house, we haven't even talked about its mortgage, or the fact that you're now divorced, what is your housing situation, and are you thinking of changing that? Looking at your military pension, determining when truly might you want to retire? Have you ever considered the fact that you can afford to retire right now, and might you want to? There's a whole lot to discuss, and talking with a financial advisor comprehensively about all of this, triggered by the 220 grand you are getting at the moment. It's a good opportunity to reevaluate and rejigger the whole thing as needed, and I think you'll be better off as a result.
3: Awesome. I think I'll do that.
0: We've got offices in San Diego. We're very happy to help, so let us know if you would like to do that.
3: Awesome. Love the show. Really appreciate the input.
0: You're very welcome, Ted, and good luck to you and best wishes on your life going forward. And again, thank you for your military service. That was Ted in San Diego here on The Rick Edelman Show. He called 888-PLAN-RICK. You can, too, anytime. You're listening to The Rick Edelman Show. Uh, if you've got a question for me, just record it on your smartphone and send me the audio file to at Rick at rickedelman.com. That's what Ken did. Let's listen in.
1: Hi, Rick. This is Ken from Sonoma. Thank you for your program. I've been a listener for many years, and my question today is about RMDs. I'm 72 now, and I'm trying to see if I can delay taking my RMDs as I'm working per diem four days a month for the hospital I've been at for 40 years. At that hospital, I have a 457 and a 403 plan with about $1.5 million between the two. Does the IRS consider four days a month enough work to qualify for the delay in taking RMDs? And is there a downside to holding off taking my RMDs I really don't need the money right now, and I'd like to keep it in the plan if I can.
0: Well, Ken, talk to your employer about that. Uh, Here's the bottom line. Uh, RMD stands for Required Minimum Distribution, and Ken is referring to his IRAs as 401ks. Here's the rule. Uh, you know the drill. If you have an IRA, the money grows in that account, tax-deferred for as long as the money stays there, decades, uh, which is really wonderful. It's a terrific way to help money grow, enjoying compounding without having to pay taxes on an annual basis. But at some point, the IRS says you got to you know, liquidate the account, and by liquidating the account, it becomes taxable income, You have to pay taxes on the distribution. And under the law, that is now age 72. So starting in the year you are 72, you have to begin making withdrawals. You don't have to withdraw the whole thing, but you've got to start making withdrawals. The IRS publishes a table telling you how much you must withdraw each year, and it's based on your age. But there's a separate rule. There's an exception to the RMD rule, which says if you're still employed at your employer, You don't have to begin making the withdrawals until you separate from service. Now, that only applies to the retirement account at that job. In other words, let's say you have a 401k at an old job that you left a long time ago. Even though you're still working at this new job, the 401k in the old job, you do have to make a withdrawal out of that. But the 401k out of your current job, that you may be eligible to delay the distribution while you're still working. Ken's only working on a part-time basis. So does that qualify for the exemption? Ken, talk to your employer to verify. And keep in mind that delaying, even if you're allowed to, delaying the distribution might not be in your best interest. Because the longer you delay, the more you're going to end up having to withdraw annually when you finally do begin to make withdrawals. And that could force you to pay more in taxes per year than if you begin now taking out a much smaller amount each year. So in addition to talking to your employer about whether you're eligible, talk to your accountant, your tax advisor, to see if delaying the distributions is truly the smart strategy, not just for this year, but for the years to come. That was Ken and his Ask Rick question. You can do what he did. Send your voicemail to Ask Rick at rickedelman.com. Let's jump onto the phones here on The Rick Edelman Show. Say hi to Peter. He's in Norwalk, Connecticut. How you doing, Peter? Fine, Rick. How are you? Doing great. What can I do for you?
4: Well, I am a mailman. I've worked for the Postal Service for 30-plus years. I was hired under the FERS, Federal Employee Retirement System, So, I have a pension, I have Social Security, and what most people call a 401k with a 5% match. Um, Well, in 10 days, I will have made my full Social Security retirement age. So my initial thought was to retire at that age, Um, but in 1990, I purchased two $10,000 savings bonds, one of which I cashed in when I bought my first house. I still have one. And so it's more than 30 years old. And from my understanding, they stopped paying interest after 30 years. Right. So with a $10,000 savings bond, as you all know, you pay 5,000. So I'm going to have $15,000 worth of interest. I did not claim interest on a yearly basis. Apparently I could have, I didn't do that. So My thought was, instead of retiring at the end of this year, I would work three months into 2022. That would allow me to fully fund my Roth for that year, and I would postpone my Social Security for 2022, cash that savings bond, and use that money to live on for that year. Okay. If that makes sense, then should I also consider postponing my Social Security for the next two years and fund it with deferred, I have a fairly nice retirement nest egg, some of which I'm already getting uh, a minimum annual distributions from.
0: How much money is in that retirement account?
4: Well, my whole retirement account, I think, is $1.8 of which I think one and a quarter million is tax-deferred.
0: Okay. Peter, are you married? I am not. Do you have any children? Do not. Do you love your job?
4: I I don't hate it. I don't like waking up in the morning, but (laughs) I am ready to retire.
0: Okay, uh, well, I'm kind of fascinated that you are focusing so heavily on these couple of savings bonds, uh, a total of fifteen twenty thousand dollars in value, when you've got your federal pension plus a million eight in retirement savings. Mm-hmm. The, these double e bonds are utterly irrelevant in this bigger scheme of things. So, everything you're doing sounds fine. Your strategy, from an economic perspective, is sound. But so what? Life's short, my friend. If you're not thrilled with getting up in the morning and going to work and doing what you've been doing for 30 years, and God bless you, thank you for the services you've provided as a mailman to all of us. We all take our mail for granted until the day it doesn't show up. Um, So thanks for all your work for 30 years. I think that you're in perfect condition to be able to quit right now. Certainly, delaying Social Security benefits you. The longer you can delay, the more you'll end up getting over time. So if you can delay to age 70, do so. And from the looks of it, you can afford to do so because you have other income resources you can tap into alternatively. So sure, your strategy sounds perfectly fine, but there's only one downside. You got to keep working for another three or four months. (laughs) Now, if that doesn't bother you, if you're willing to do it, go ahead and do it. But if you'd rather just quit, go ahead and quit. You can afford to quit. You're in fine, excellent financial condition. So don't let this double E savings bond of 10 grand about to mature factor into your thinking because it's an irrelevant data point.
4: Okay. All right. You know, I've worked hard. I started with IRAs when they're actually 1,500 uh, maximum. I did that until I became a career postal worker, and then I started at least 10% of my salary into the 401k, and I raised it every time I could, and I've gotten it up to 29% of my pay. Wow. So I think my re- my pension and my social security is basically gonna replace the income that I'm living on right now.
0: So what are you still working for?
4: Well. because I guess I had a goal to work until my full Social Security
0: retirement age. Who cares? (laughs) Yeah, I guess. I mean, working has nothing to do with it. You can defer taking Social Security. You don't have to keep working to defer it. Right,
4: right. So the Medicare would be paid out of my Social Security. So if I defer it, obviously, they're just going to send me a bill. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Excellent.
0: Peter, I think you should meet with a financial advisor who can review your situation in greater detail than we've done here. For example, how is that $1.8 million invested? That, that, that is a really important point. Mm-hmm. Not this 10 grand savings bond. You're worried about 10 grand. I'm worried about 1.8 million. Right. Let's focus on what really matters here.
4: I I, I have it in mostly in ETFs with Fidelity. I do have a personal financial advisor and the Roth that I built, I actually had been following a uh, portfolio, Eric Cobrin's um, Fidelity Insight, and when they Fidelity suggested I go to ETS, I kept the Roth and I managed it following that portfolio. So um, I've been very happy with you know what I've, I've accomplished through Fidelity, but I never thought about the tax implications until you know, I got near retirement,
0: so. Sure. Well, Peter,
4: there you go. Thank you, Rick. I appreciate that greatly.
0: You're very welcome. That was Peter in Norwalk, Connecticut. Let's head off to Bloomfield Hills in Michigan here on the Rick Edelman Show. Say hi to Maisie. She's on the phone. How are you? Great, Rick. How are you today? Doing well. Thanks so much. How can I help you? I was wondering, um,
1: in terms of the number that I have in mind, um, to retire with the, the financial number, the savings, um, should I count the equity that I have in my home? I think I shouldn't because it's not liquid and I have no intention of selling my home, but I was just wondering what your perspective is on that.
0: Yes, you should count it. Absolutely. Positively. Doesn't matter that it's not liquid doesn't matter that you have no intention of selling it. You could say the same thing about other assets. Your automobile, you have no intention of selling that either. Your um, stocks and bonds, uh, they're liquid, but you don't have any intention of selling them, at least not anytime soon. So it absolutely is an asset because if push comes to shove, if you need money somewhere, then you're going to turn to the house. And the day may come when you want to downsize. Uh, You want to spend less on a house or the upkeep, maintenance, property taxes associated with it so it's absolutely a financial asset no question about it and you should take it into consideration and by doing so you'll discover that your income potential is higher than you otherwise thought i mean to the tune potentially of a thousand or 2000 dollars a month more than you thought and it could really give you additional peace of mind or greater financial flexibility than you otherwise considered, and that'll give you more comfort and more pleasure in retirement. So absolutely, positively, count it as an asset.
1: Okay. May I ask another question? Of course. So if that's the rationale, do you mean it would count if I, um, for example, retook a new mortgage and pulled that money out? Is, Is that what you're implying?
0: That's one way you monetize the asset. That's one way you create liquidity from the asset. In other words, you don't have to sell the house to get money out of it. You could just refinance. You can get a home equity line of credit. You could get a reverse mortgage. There are lots of different ways. In fact, the blockchain technology in the digital assets world is creating opportunities as well through tokenization. There are lots of ways that you can monetize the value of the house in order to turn it into an income stream to provide you monthly income, for sure.
1: Interesting. Okay. Thank you so much. I appreciate that.
0: My pleasure, Maisie. Well, that's all the time we have on The Rick Edelman Show this weekend. We have two original broadcasts left for you, and then it's the end of The Rick Edelman Show after 30 years on the air. And so Christmas weekend, a very special final broadcast. It's a retrospective. A look back at the last 30 years of broadcasting on this show, the most favorite popular clips, the most astonishing segments. We're all going to bring it to you on Christmas weekend. And then on the weekend of New Year's Day, January 1st, two new radio shows for your pleasure and benefit. My brand new show, The Truth About Your Future with Rick Edelman, and Everyday Wealth, featuring Soledad O'Brien and Gene Chatsky, Both of these programs debuting January 1 and January 2 of 2022 to continue to give you the education, information, and advice you need to help you and your family achieve financial security and success. We're excited about it. Hope you are as well. I'm Rick Edelman. Have a wonderful weekend. See you next week.